Hi, I'm Amy, general contractor. And I'm Alicia, homeowner, and we're talking home home repair. repair. Today we have a fun little podcast. We've got a group of people sitting here in front of me, and we are just going to chit-chat about women in men's places. That's what I'm going to say, or... That don't sound right, man. All right. What are you talking about? All right, give me something I better. Told- <laughs> I figured you'd come up with something sassy. Well, no, I think we're going to talk about a lot of things. We've got uh, business owners here. Yeah. But I'd like to explore also, how did you get here? How did you find the path that you found? Oh, I was um, going to say I got drove here. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how about some introductions first? All right, so taking off her homeowner hat, we do have Alicia Healy, who is a studio owner. Music As many producer, of you know. right, right. So she does this incredible podcast, singer songwriter. Um, we have also Kimberly Martin of Seinberg Services. We have Darlene Denon of Solid Energy Incorporated, and we have Adriana Ramirez, a VP at Banner Bank. And then we got me, Amy. Amy works. Amy and Amy works. Amy, so Amy, how Amy do you works. all know each other? Like, Master Builders Association. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. It was a women's leadership conference. We had a great time. Right. We did have a good time. That <laughs> was a fun starts. time. Yep. <laughs> yes. That was good. That yeah. was good. It was a lot of fun. It was. Rachel was But kick. I know her from B&I. Mm. That's yes, how we, we met. Darlene and I B&I. know each other. wow. Yeah. Prior, prior to Master Builders in 2004. Wow. And I got her in. Wow. Sweet. I was, yeah. a, was, that, she, was that hard to do? For Kimberly, you know her? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Apparently not well enough yet. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. No, it it made sense. Um a lot of the stuff that I did at that point in time was not construction. Mm. I was in another realm. Um but it made sense for the networking because Master Builders is at that time it was about 4,000 members strong. Mm-hmm. And it made sense for me to get involved in an organization and I've always had an interest in the building industry. So it, it just, it was a fit. So the reticence was yours, Kimberly. It wasn't the master's builders organization. No. Oh, okay. I misread that. <laughs> <laughs> no, master builders welcomed me with open arms. So, you were wonderful there too, by the way. Thank she you. has done me proud. Mm. Oh, that's so sweet. Mm. That is very that's sweet. Very sweet. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's just kind of go around the room and, uh, Give us a description of your business and what you do, and we'll start with that. Darlene, you're going to start. Well, my elevator speech pretty much speaks for itself is, you know, providing solutions for unique and unusual projects, maintenance, repairs, and painting, because that seems to be a model I created a while back because... I had a business that was a bigger painting company and a remodeling company. And then after my husband passed away, just for the story, I pieced those together and said, I'm going to make a make something, a new business model that gets past, you know, COVID, I found out, but gets past any kind of um, recessions, depressions, because I've survived a lot of them. And I decided to put a model together that was served the consumer at a different level now that we have smaller projects that are unique and unusual that people, after a while, haven't been able to repair or maintain their Mm -hmm. businesses or buildings. And um, I thought there was just a good place for that. Yeah. 
you know, and, and Kimberly also does the unique and unusual projects as well in her own world. So that's a great model as far as I'm concerned. You guys, you're kind of into that little bit of a mix too. That's kind of how I started oh, my you're, business. You're, yeah. a, little you're a bigger player yeah. now than I yeah. am, but uh, I think it's a great one and I love it. And I make friends so much easier and I go in and I assess things. And I'm in my world, my element of just fixing and making solutions and Making people kind of laugh and smile and have fun. And I can be myself, which is nice that they love it in this market. They love me. So, right. um, yeah, and I love my clients. And, and, and it's nice to see that I help them sell their house as well. Mm. Oh, that's awesome. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, that's like like you were saying, recession-proof, inflation-proof, whatever, home repair yeah. Is it's always going to be around. People need it. Yeah. Absolutely need it. Yeah. They may not need a but remodel, but they definitely need that home repair. Yeah. yeah. You're so, giving them what they want. Yeah, exactly. So tell us what you do then, Kimberly. Well, uh, my company is Sein, uh, Seinberg Services, Inc. And basically, I the way I promote myself is I am primarily a deck builder. And then I also do outdoor landscape installs. So if you're looking at the exterior of your house, whether it's front yard, backyard, um, I've specialized in decks because they're always a unique challenge. Um, and I've done everything from small, you know, just off the patio decks to large two-story, second-story, two-level decks with, you know, full glass inserts and stuff. Wow. So it's, uh, it's been interesting. But the thing I love about it is, is I always have a different challenge depending upon what the client wants, fitting my vision into their vision. But I'm never, I, I never stop learning. And for me, I mean, I was just down learning new stuff a couple of weeks ago about a new line of railing that is coming out of Canada. That oh, yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah, yeah, it has a tremendous market, a 70% share of the market up in Canada, but they don't have really any share down here, and they're looking to, to kind of get involved in that. So I love it because I always learn. Yeah, that's awesome. What about you, Adriana? How did I stumble into finance? Yeah. <laughs> How did you stumble into finance? Um, well, I didn't grow up thinking, oh my gosh, I really want to, you know, work in finance. I actually just needed insurance. Health I was, insurance? Well, you mm-hmm, got to tell insurance. us more about that. <laughs> like, yeah. So I was, I don't know, maybe 18 or 19 years old. I was working as a waitress and then I was also working as a ski instructor up at Stevens Pass. And oh, I'm sorry. Fun. As you do. So call me was so much better for that. (laughs) Said no one ever. (laughs) (laughs) The ski instructors are there. Come on. Um, But I really needed insurance because neither of my jobs would cover it. And I was always getting injured. So my friend was like, hey, we'll hire you. You know, like go apply as a teller. You'd be great. You like talking to people. You can manage money. Easy. And I was like, all right. So that was it. So start, you started as a teller. As a teller. And then it turns out I really liked it. And it uh, turns out I loved it. I love the financial literacy. I love helping people. There's mm. just so much that people don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started growing, getting promoted, growing, having great mentors. And I, you know, I just love to learn. So I learned as much as I could in every single role. 
And are you always with ba- uh, Banner? No, no. I've worked uh, for B of A. I've worked for Wells. I've worked for BCU, one of the largest credit unions. Mm-hmm. Um, I've worked for Chase. Um, oh, I know. Wow. You hit all the big ones. <laughs> well, and, and really different kind of culturally Very, from a customer's point. So right. different. But so. it's really nice to have the, the different experiences mm-hmm. to show, okay, they're – you know, this bank is really great at this. And then this bank is really great at this. Let's put them together. You know, mm-hmm. let's give the best solution to the clients. Cool. So I really enjoyed working everywhere. Wow. That is so Well, cool. I knew you when you were town. Town bank. Oh, Ban- my gosh. Such before a, Banner showed Yeah. Up. And they've gone through a lot of acquisitions, so. You yeah, just I, never I don't know. know if I even know Town Bank. I don't town Bank is what it started out to be a town in Woodenville when I moved there. And that they had Town Bank. And it took a while before they ended up getting bigger. And then they went to Banner. Oh, okay. And they have stayed Banner. Thank you very much. Wow. You're welcome. <laughs> so, good job. Right. Only those living in Woodenville knew it was Town Bank prior to Banner Bank, apparently. Fair enough. You got to be in well, the know. It was called a lot of different things, and it was just the same group that owned them. I just know that, but I just have to go back to my roots when I first moved there in 89. That was all I had was a Town Bank. That's hmm. adorable. <laughs> no, I, I thoroughly enjoy it. So, Lisa. Yeah. Give us give us your background. Hey, Amy, why don't you no. Okay. <laughs> well, because I talk about my background a lot on right. the show. So so but but you're just well, always I started so quiet. in live sound. And so that's out doing festivals and concerts and things like that. And fell into that. I so you're the one where we're going to the end of the concert. There's the the people on stage are saying yes, and thank you, Alicia, for doing sound exactly for us. Exactly right. Okay, so you whether okay. or not it sounded good, they should always thank their sound okay. people. Okay, okay. Um, but I didn't expect to. I had studied film and broadcasting, municipal television, and then moved out here kind of unexpectedly from oh Iowa originally, but okay. I was at Colorado at the time. That was about 32 years ago. <laughs> So I've, I've been here this kind of home. A little bit. Um, but I started in live sound, had a great mentor doing that. Basically, I was just volunteering and somebody said, hey, would you know, do you know how to run sound? And like all good young people said yes, even though I didn't. <laughs> and I had a, a great guy that I worked for. Oh, they said, well, Rob's looking for help and he can only pay 75 a day. And I'm like, he pays? Yes. I will. <laughs> I'll do that. Um, And he was an English teacher by trade. And so he just automatically said things three times. And so I like kept my ears open and my eyes open. And that's how I, the basics of what I learned. Did that for many years. And that's real rough living. You know, I wasn't ever doing any tours, but um, even festival circuit is pretty rough. And I realized I wasn't, my body was going to be broken. I wouldn't, wasn't going to be able to do that when I was 50. And, um, and he was a small business. So that's when I got into recording. Did you have a studio before you had that little one, that converted garage over there in West Seattle? Um, my mentor, I ended up going in and living in his house for a, a small period of time, short period of time. And he had a studio in his basement. And so, and then I connected with another guy and he had his own studio. So I was working at small project studios for many years until I finally, and I had, I had a bedroom, you know, bedroom (laughs) studio, (laughs) which I did many fine CDs out of. Uh, But then when there was that converted single garage and that little bungalow Mm -hmm. and did a lot of great work there too. So, so it's just only been recently that I've had a space like this. 
Right on. Right kind on. of more full-fledged. Still a project studio. But, and then on my second life, I also do accounting and business services for small nonprofits and, and uh, small business. Which is so interesting. It's like he yeah. uses both sides of your brain. I, I love it. I was just thinking that yeah, same thing. Right. One side uses left, one right. side uses right. right. Yeah. She's, mm. she's probably one of the few that uses both sides of her brain. <laughs> so I'm so adjusted. Consistently. No. But I love the, you know, I love the financial piece of it. It's this great and, and like you say, the literacy of it. And I do that to a certain extent with my clients. Definitely a lot for the nonprofits where, you know, they're just swimming. They have no idea what's going on. And, mm-hmm. so, and there is plenty to learn mm-hmm. about that side of things. So I'm oh, always absolutely. learning. Absolutely. I think that's one of the biggest opportunities and why I wanted to work with business owners specifically is they need all the help that they can get. Exactly. And a lot Amen, of the time. Sister. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, we, we have our own challenges. The financial is usually not the top of the list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In terms of what we want to do. But it could make such a big difference, you know, understanding what the bank needs and having a really great team put together. So that's really something that I'm focusing on right now is how can I be more of an advocate and a resource for my business owners Mm -hmm. so that you don't have to worry so much about the financing part and you understand your numbers and... um, And how not to get into a tight spot. Uh hundred percent because that could mean you know continuing to run your business longer or you know the break of your business and um I know that business owners work 24 7 you know they're your it's your baby it's your livelihood so if you're not working it you're at least thinking about it 24 hundred percent yes and so let's just take that little piece off and create efficiencies and processes and again that team that you can rely on and to plan and strategize um what a relief that would be, right, for so many people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, who do they say Very you should much. have on your on your team? When you're starting a business, you should, you should have on your team as a legal, so attorney, mm-hmm. CPA, mm-hmm. and a banker. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I've got two of the three. I can't find a CPA to save my I'm life. I'm working on it for you. Are you? Because <laughs> I found out the one that I'm using is in freaking New York City. What? I oh. thought they were local. I got somebody here locally oh, yeah. that's out of Escobar. She's great. Oh, yeah. And I think yeah. the person that's actually doing the taxes, I think she's outsourced to Russia because oh, she sure. answers oh, yeah. answers my emails at 2 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a huge yeah. shortage right now of CPAs. Yes. Okay. So well, mine, mine is local. I'd be happy to share name I with you. She's awesome. Same with you. She, she's she's with you. she owns her own yeah. business, works out of her house, great. wants to stay small. She's now working CPA, big. Now CPA, not bookkeeper. She's, yeah, mm-hmm. nope, she's CPA. She's, she's a CPA she in, accountant. Yeah, she, we both know her, but she yeah. worked uh, at some of the big firms, but got tired of that that climate mm-hmm. and pulled back and, and she could grow bigger, but she's like, I don't, I don't really want to get back into a big kind of a, a CPA firm. I mm-hmm. like working for myself. So Don't she, we all? She, yeah. she would be a fit for this group. That's I can perfect. guarantee you that. Yeah. And yeah. she's okay. a real person. Well, our next, yeah. our next uh, happy hour, we'll right. bring in a CPA. Right. <laughs> then we yeah. should do an attorney. There you there go. go. Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. 
All right. I'm not sure the conversation would be as lively, but sure, absolutely. She's funny, be too. Be careful. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking the attorney. I wasn't talking the CPA. The attorneys have to be super careful what they say. Well, we'd have to sign waivers, of yeah, course. Probably. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I think uh, Alicia would definitely attorneys be having all the questions the... on that one. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and yeah. trust me, the attorney buddies I know, they're all used to being the butt of the joke, so they get it. <laughs> So, um, give me some examples of some struggles you guys have had. You guys, you you people have had as you are growing in your career. Well, one, one thing that I wanted to do was was just kind of the differences between us. So, I started Amy Works, and you started Winter Blue, and you bought your company, right? No. Oh, no, you started? I started from scratch. Oh, for some reason, I thought you'd you'd um, you'd bought it from somebody. No, ma'am. Okay. And then you started yours from scratch. Yep. Okay, okay. And you started as a teller, which started is at pretty the bottom. much started at the bottom. Down at the bottom. That is so great. That is just incredible. I uh, did work for a company to learn some of my trade previously. Oh of yeah. Course. yeah, yeah, yeah. I right? learned a lot, and I learned. Yeah, I I became for the company that I was at. It was a landscaping company, and I was one of those. I was working in another industry and just needed some spare cash. Mm. And she had a big planting job that was 10,000 plants. And if you don't know landscaping, that's that's a lot, a lot of, plants of plants going yes. into a yard. Even 10,000 anything is a lot. Yes. And so I was basically grunt labor, right? I came out. I learned how to plant. I took pots from the lower garden to the upper garden, 78 steps, every plant. Wow. Um, but that's how – but I became special projects lead. So I got – her husband had a, had a uh, hardscape company. And so I got cross-trained and did all the the repairs and became the special project lead. So I got lighting and irrigation and how to repair, you know, concrete and how to do rock walls. And and then from her side, I got the maintenance, which I don't love, but also learned some of the plant knowledge and just the overall kind of design and how plants can can hardscape is beautiful, but without plants to soften it. So I got a lot of that. But I was basically at the end, I was running their business, just not getting compensated for it. Which, and so was that, <clears throat> what, what was the moment that you said, okay, then I'm going to go off and do this? Uh, basically, I looked at what everybody else that it was brand new uh, was getting, and I kind of looked at the you know, it's seven years. I basically write the checks. A couple of days a week, I'm getting the crews ready to go. I'm thinking I'm worth this. And they went, huh, you know, that's great, but we just did a remodel on our house, and we can't afford to pay you more. I see. Hmm. That's not really what you want to say if you want to keep your employee. And so, why on board. did you choose to start a business rather than maybe sign, find another company to work for? Well, I come from a family of entrepreneurs. entrepreneurs. My folks have their own had their own business for forty years. Uh, two of my three brothers also created their own businesses, and it was one of those that when I left that company, I was like, "Well, I'm pretty much running their company, except for doing the books." Mm-hmm. Right. I'm writing the checks. I'm getting the cruise started. I'm, you know, ordering supplies. I mean, why couldn't I do it for myself? And then I sat back and went, okay, do I really want to do landscape? I really don't like maintenance. So what do I really love to do? And my family history is my great grandfather was a true carpenter. Mm. And then my grandfather was um, on the other side of my family was a hop farmer, but he was really good with his hands and loved to work on machines and how, figure out how things worked and stuff. And I spent a lot of time with him as a kid. So when I looked at that, I kind of went, I don't really necessarily want to do dirt, 
but I love wood and kind of fell into the decks. I mean, it was just, it's, that's kind of what I started getting hired for. Hmm. And it just, I found a love in it. And then I did a lot of additional training and research and took classes and learned my trade. While you were running a company? I mean, while you were out on your own? Yep. So you did have entrepreneurialism in your family. Yes. Because I think that's hard if you come from a family of nine to fivers or, you know, machinists working for big companies to say, I'm going to work for myself. They're just like, why some families are terrified. Well, they're terrified because well, you're always right. hustling. You don't have that it steady. Is. You don't have that steady paycheck. You don't have the steady, that steady, have paycheck. steady paycheck. And yeah. and my dad, I mean, my dad having owned his own business for forty years, he gave me two very good pieces of advice that I take to heart today. The first is if you treat everyone's home like it's your own, then you're never going to disappoint your client. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. <laughs> right? Totally agree. And he wasn't in construction. He was in business forms and stuff. And then the second is he said, you can work any half days you want. It doesn't matter which 12 hours. Right. Ah. <laughs> so he said, don't be surprised if you're on the computer at 9 p.m. doing your proposals once you get busy. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So. So what was it gonna- a big deal for you to start your own companies or was it natural in your family or natural for you? Well, I kind of got a little history there. My dad was a carpenter. My grandpa was a carpenter. My great-grandpa were all the way down the line in Germany. Mm. So I was kind of in that trade. So my dad was a carpenter. He was a Finnish carpenter more than anything else. My brothers were in the, both were in the trades. One was carpet laying, and the other one was a framer. I mean, that was what his his world was. And so I worked for the police department. Police department at Mercer Island. I was okay. a police and fire dispatcher. And my husband at that time came home and said, how would you like to start a paint company? And I said, oh, I'm on graveyard. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> I had already had two businesses before that, so an entrepreneurial thought sounds like a good idea. Got a book. Says how to start a construction company and from SBA and... And away you went. Yeah. We, oh, I, I think the funniest part is that I had a uh, card table. I pulled out a card table, mm. and I had a pad, a steno pad, <laughs> and a phone. And my bird that I had went down there and ate all of the, the, the letters, the plastic letters on or the numbers on the, the phone. That was the funniest thing <laughs> that we had. I got a bird going around. And I'm taking and sitting there going, okay. My first page opened it up and said, okay. I modeled it with a general contractor and just created the business from there. So that was kind of how we got started. And then we had, I had the name Solid Energy already because I was going to have a dis, uh, uh, essential oil distribution company with another person. So that didn't work out, but that's how we got the name. And I said, well, I got a name and Solid solid business with lots of energy to do your job in a timely manner. So I said, okay. Then we started started painting. The painting. And he was he painted cars, boats. I mean, my late husband had a lot of talent with painting, so he thought latex, geez, that's nothing. <laughs> that's easy. <laughs> so anyway, so we did have a partner at first, and he liked the bars better than he liked painting. But that's how we got started. And I, I just remember the first year we made $19,000. Wow. We that's were in revenue. the money. My gosh, yeah. we had like eight 
But when I look at my old bids, it is hilarious because $365 for what I would charge $3,065. But that's how I got kind of started. So That's inflation over, what, 30 years? 35. 35. Wow. April 21st, 35 years. coming up. Almost got a birthday. That's awesome. So did you guys get loans to start? Nope. Sweet, that would have been wonderful. I would have been a lot further <laughs> along than I am at now. That time. But, I, no, but in those right? days, there, we were women. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, I was doing the business and everything else, but I had to go out. I had to go out with with my late husband to get out there and do stuff. I mean, mm-hmm. I know that's how I, I was working. Um, I actually painted to get through school and did decks and refinished furniture so i did have a little bit of talent there and i preferred that i was like kimberly i like working with my hands i really do i like being out in the fresh air and painting i never really didn't think about painting but you know it's just another thing to learn how to do and and most of it isn't painting and kimberly knows that because she's helped me it's prep it's prep Mm -hmm. And sanding and prep and mm-hmm. sanding and laying out tarps and you know twenty you you know before you start the project you've taken three days just to prepare it to get right. ready to paint. Mm-hmm. Painting's the easy part. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, and I got I got lucky. I didn't need a loan because I I've been interested in tools and my grandfather gave me a lot of his tools mm. and so I I had a lot of basic tools, but and Darlene can attest to this for the first two. Two and a half years, I literally ran my business out of my little Subaru Legacy. Yeah. Oh, it was. I wish I mean, I'd, I'd had... have lumber sticking ten feet out of because <laughs> it had the seats folded down, right? In the old time Legacies, right. so I'd put in a, a fifteen foot piece of lumber. I'd run it through the middle and stick out <laughs> seven feet out the end. And I'd be driving down the road with all my tools strapped down on the, you know. Yeah, I carried a, That's mm-hmm. how I. That's how I started. I carried it was a set of six foot. A set of glass French doors on the top of my Subaru Outback. Oh, yeah. Because that's what I had when I started yep. was a Subaru Outback. Yeah. And you make it work until you have the... I, I didn't... You know, my dad had an accounting background, and he his, he was never a fan of getting loans if you could find a way, especially when you were starting a business and you started small, do what you can do, do what you can afford. As the business grows, then you can look at... Well, now I have good, consistent income because I have a client base. Then getting a loan makes a difference. But if you don't have the client base and you're just starting, he's like, don't go out and get money right away because you don't know how you're going to pay it back. Because right. mm-hmm. you Do don't you know if you're going to make the way? business. Is, that, is your advice? Because, I mean, or have you found, is there a different culture now? I think that in some industries that makes a lot of sense. Right. But then especially with contractors, it's almost impossible to get a bigger job, yeah. to make more money, to hire more employees unless you have the capital already. So mm-hmm. I think it really depends. Yeah, I agree with that. hundred percent, yeah. yes, grow and scale organically. But sometimes, you know, a loan or a line of credit might be a really great way to bridge that gap as long as you're not using it long term. Mm-hmm. Um And what do you think the term should be? So for a contractor, it's typically, you know, as you're receiving those accounts receivables, because of course you don't get paid all up front, you get a portion and then you have to front up all that money. You have to pay your employees, you have to pay all your contractors. Um, So typically you're going to get paid and, you know, as you're completing certain um, portions of the job. job. So that's 
typically the length of when you want to use that line of credit. So pull it, pay for a certain thing, pay it when you get paid. And so it should be a 30, 60, 90 mm-hmm. um, versus carrying that debt longer. Yeah. If there's no need, you just need to maybe learn how to budget mm-hmm. and allocate your funds and understand your balance sheet and your P&L mm-hmm. um, in order to grow organically. I think that's my problem right now because we've grown. We did over $2 million last year and I don't have a line of credit. Mm-hmm. And I think, and we're doing these bigger projects that mm-hmm. are going on for four months and it's like cash and flow. all your Sometimes money is stuck just, there. Oh, it mm-hmm. hurts. It does. It and instead really of, hurts. you know, having those sleepless nights and stressing out about how you're going to make payroll or how you're going to pay for, you know, um, yeah. All your welcome material. to my world. Well, welcome to my best friend's world too. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, and I understand it and I feel it because, you know, there's so much pressure. And if you don't finish that project, well, what are you going to do, you know? Yeah. Um, right. So it puts, it puts business owners in a really tough position where you have to find that bridge. Well, I also think that it's lately it's been more of a challenge in the construction specifically because we're having longer wait times to get materials, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And the materials are costing a lot more than they were. So going out and doing, you know, that $30,000 remodel, I mean, unless it's a small bathroom, there's nothing that fits into that category anymore. Mm-hmm. So the right. projects have to get bigger. And yeah, like having that cash flow is a challenge. I mean, I'm I'm in a unique scenario where I, I still work straight for the homeowners and it's just me out there doing it. So when I do the big stone patios, I'm doing all the labor. So I only have to carry really myself mm-hmm. in the business. But when you've got employees, it changes things. And at mm-hmm. that point, a line 100%. of credit or a loan is almost, it's almost a requirement. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, it's huge. I had six carpenters at one time with my remodeling company and we were doing a lot of business. You knew the people that were mm-hmm. the players in that. So, you know, you walk up to a million dollars, but you don't see a million dollars. Everybody seems like that that's a lot of money. And nowadays it's not even very much at all when you mm-hmm. change the houses. Back then you could buy a house for $67,000, yeah. which is that one up there. Mm-hmm. But when well, yeah. I sold it seven years later, it was 102000 I, the house wasn't worth 102000 It wasn't. I wonder what it's worth now, today. Now it's worth yeah. two fifty. Now it'd be too, oh my God, yes. Yeah. We're, we're, I mean, that's the change that's, right. that's happened. And, mm-hmm. and you know, I mean, it's, I mean, two million, great. I, don't get me wrong. But it's also one of those that for a remodeling company, that's still relatively small yeah. mm-hmm. in today's dollars mm-hmm. because of, because of the amount of cost that is now, and don't get me started on regulations that are now required for a lot of the things we do. I just I don't adds know money about to that. Yeah. <laughs> she just doesn't pay attention. To I don't pay attention. Well, and I think another thing that that I'm dealing with right now is, you know, there's the this the the lack of skilled labor. Oh. Right. Well, so you're up against other contractors that pay um, paid vacation and sick leave and mm-hmm. 401k and and insurance and which I do but if I didn't you know it would d- yeah. definitely take off my overhead mm-hmm. but you've got to have those things to bring these people in it used mm-hmm. to be where you could hire somebody you know off a of Craigslist and they'd be happy just to be working 40 hours a week at mm-hmm. you know 35 dollars mm-hmm. an hour but you just can't do that anymore no and have a consistent business no. Yeah. Well, yeah, because the cost even back then when I had, uh, I think it was like 10 employees and painters particularly, and 
I was paying holidays, vacations, personal leave. The only thing I didn't have was a 401k, but I was going to start doing that all the way up until 2007. Mm. And then that happened. But that was, yeah, $3,000 a month. And unfortunately, you wanted to hire younger people because they're cheaper. Mm-hmm. Right. Insurance is cheaper. You get someone over over 35 and the price goes up and you get someone in the 50s, it's a lot more expensive to afford the insurance. Right. So, but then you get you're on, right getting up yeah, to that then expensive. You get, hey, careful. Then you get that unskilled labor. So it's mm-hmm. like, okay, so now I'm going to be a lot less efficient, inefficient. So I have to think about how many more hours is that going to mm-hmm. add mm-hmm. versus what's my overhead if I get somebody that's more skilled. Mm-hmm. And honestly, these days, getting skilled labor is... It's hard. It's it super really hard. hard. Yeah. But you know, it's been that way, I think, for since 2014. It started then because I remember when... When I was finally, after my husband passed away, I'm now it, you know. So the interesting challenge I had back then is even labor. And we ended up with three, and you worked a little bit with those those veterans. Mm, Yes, yes. we and Kimberly did a project together, veterans. And they were were ones that I didn't realize had post-stress, whatever that syndrome is. So, you know, and also, too, they didn't like taking orders. From us women. <laughs> Still saw that. And I said, I am the one that writes a check. So I just started sounding like a sergeant, and I found that worked really good. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> well, they were military. Because I didn't, yeah. you know, a mom or a sergeant, it's pretty sad. <laughs> but they reacted to that. As, but they lied to you. I have to say, and I hope there's no men listening to this, but, you know, they lied to you. The men lied to you. They sit there and you say, do you know how to do this? And Kimberly being skilled like she is. You know how to do that? Oh yeah, I know how oh, to do I, that. Oh yeah, that's that's a, that's a lie. I they can do that. Know how to I can do, do it. that. You, so you, you can't, can't do it very well, right? <laughs> <laughs> At least women will admit their what they don't know because they're willing to learn. Um, but you no, know, it was really challenging at that point in time to have workers that felt they knew more than you. When I've been doing this for. 20-some years, mm-hmm. it took me a little bit of my own confidence, and now I'm really confident, but, you know, my own confidence to get up and say, you're fired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes that feels so good. By the way, she never fired me. Oh. Just want that now. Oh, no. She, I never would fire. She's good at what she does. But I love Kimberly. I would love to have more like Kimberly because she takes ownership. Yeah, those are the greatest employees, absolutely. They just, yeah, take well, on Also the hardest to find. Exactly, mm-hmm. well, exactly. Well, they start their own businesses. Uh, that I was just about to say, mm-hmm. yes, they don't stay employees very long. Right, mm-hmm. so I can do this better. It's not necessarily that I can do this better, but like when I was working for the previous company, my thought pattern was, if I'm doing it for them, why the hell would I not do it for myself and put more of the money in my pocket? Mm-hmm. Right. And the way you want to do it. I mean, I think that's yes. the difference between even having a really good employer your man, you're like, oh, I just, I kind of want it in my life to work like this. Mm-hmm. And when you own business, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's on your terms most of the time. Yes. Well, it's mm-hmm. time consuming, and everybody here knows training someone in the construction field or money. You know, that's you. That's, that's yeah. You don't do it in six weeks. Yes, and then they're gone. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Especially at the, and then also the other dynamics I had, and you were there with at the one project I was on. We had three generations there. They were all couldn't, you know. You got the younger folks, and then you've got the traditional folks. And I like you've how got she the points at me when boomers. she says you younger folks. Jeez, yeah. I love she's, that. She's not pointing at me. No, <laughs> but you were a younger folk at that time. But well, you were yes, you, I was. you took one day, ownership. long, long time ago. She can go. You go and say. Here's a wall, Kimberly. We're not worried about you. We got to worry about these people because next thing you know, they're doing these creative little things, and you go, "I didn't teach you that." And they said, "Well, we think it should be better." How long have you been painting? Do you own this company? And it's like, <laughs> give me a break. Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, you don't get your own ideas. Do you run up? You still run a, up against that, or do you now at hiring kind of sort that out? I run up against it, but I have a whole different approach okay. now. So it's different you nip now. It more in the yes. bud. It's different now because um, I'm now, they are on the job training. And I finally came to an agreement with Jason, one of my workers that was probably in his 30s, early 30s. I said, I like your ideas. Don't get me wrong. I like your ideas, but let's put those over here. And you do it the way I want to do it, because I've been doing it for over 30-some years. So I figure I've got a little more experience than you. Make a deal with me. And so he agreed that he would do it my way. And then I came back around. I'm really good at memory-wise. And I came back around, and I said to him, I said, okay, now we're here. What do you think about doing this a particular way? And he taught me something that I put production up, way up. Mm -hmm. He's left-handed and I'm right-handed. Let's do this wall differently. So I started doing the walls differently. But it was weird how I learned from him. But he was respectful enough to learn how to do it the way I wanted to do it. That was part one of our happy hour with Darlene Denon, Kimberly Martin, and Adriana Ramirez. Their URLs and company names are down in the description. We had such a great conversation, we had to break it up into two parts. The second part will be in a couple of weeks, episode 88. See you then. Makes me wonder. <laughs>